Good afternoon. You are listening to the Recovery Hour Talk Radio Show that is being brought to you by the Rockdale County Stepping Up Initiative. You can continue listening to us on the Cat 10 ENT Network by downloading the His Hop Radio app. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, it's Bill and Tanisha, and we have the privilege of bringing you the Recovery Hour. Today, we have a special treat for you, and I know we say it every time, but we haven't lied yet. But before we get off to the cosmos, first and foremost, I would like to shout out to our partners, the Stepping Up Initiative, which is a national initiative that's been adopted here in Rockdale County. The purpose of which is to reduce the number of people in jails that have mental health substance use disorders and that suffer from the inside and the outside and are compromised many different ways, man, but they do recover. Today, we also would like to shout out to the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities for putting some finance with us and some batteries in our back. Also like to shout out to Viewpoint Health for being one of our powerful partners that support people in so many ways that it just reinforces the power of the partnerships. With that being said, the title of our show today are The Providers. Everybody that's in the room today with us provides services to some of our most challenged populations. Everybody who's here with us today is part of creating a matrix here in Rockdale County that supports the other portions of our provider network. Everybody here in this room to jail either goes to jail to provide services or has been in jail needing services or that has encountered different types of diversion, escalation, de-escalation, termination, isolation, and all those other Asians. Today, we are blessed and privileged. But before that part, Tanisha, could you say hi to all the people out there in Radio Land who are sending letters and cards and calls in here saying that you are the voice of the future? Hello, everyone. Welcome to any of any new listeners. And I'm just grateful to be here again, um, to be able to spread the message of recovery, to be able to have this discussion with our partners today. So yeah, thanks for having me again another week. Well, so with that being said, we're gonna just get right into it. Today here in Rockdale County, we have created a plethora of recovery-based services. Today, we have the privilege of having the team lead of the Opening Doors to Recovery Project with us. We once again have the world-renowned Lindsay Flewellen with us, who provides peer support, one-on-one peer support, and many other options for peer support in our recovery center. We also have Miss Tanisha Character, who is the program manager for Grit and Grace and does a billion other things as well. I think we're up to a billion now. Is that correct, Tanisha? Yeah. Yep. So with that being said, <laughs> I want to, first and foremost, uh, I want to introduce Leroy for all you people out there. Leroy, can you tell the people who you are and what you do? Thank you. Thank you, Bill, for the introduction, and thank you guys for having me here once again. It's always a pleasure to be, you know, sitting here with, you know, community partners. 
But for the listeners out there in Radioland, my name is Leroy Bryan, and I'm a behavioral health clinician with Viewpoint Health and a team lead for the Opening Doors Recovery Program, providing support to people in long-term recovery. Well, thank you for sharing that. And so, Leroy, let me ask you a question. How long have you been doing this? ODR or just as a clinician? As a clinician, I've been uh, practicing professionally for two years. Yes. And so, uh, Tanisha, I know you got a lot of letters behind your name. Tanisha, how long have you been providing recovery services? I got my first certification two years ago. So about two years. And Lindsay, how long have you been providing recovery services? I got certified, got my CPS in October of last year, and I have been providing services here at Great and Grace since January. Wow. So myself, having been doing this for probably, gee, how time flies when you're having fun, about 12, 13 years, this is what recovery looks like. Let me ask you a question, Leroy. How has being involved in recovery-based services changed the way you view the possibility of service provision for people? I think when outside, from the outside looking in, you will not necessarily see the changes because I've been around people in recovery and participating willfully in your show, seeing people and just hearing their story. But being involved first and you, you get to see the changes because then you're having direct experiences with people and exposure to their um, struggle and journey too. So I definitely see changes. So let me ask you a question, Leroy, why do you do this? The cliche to why do I do this is because I've always been a, a helper. But like I've always said, it's when you get older and you see that your community is in a, a certain condition, then if you're not a part of the change, then, and, you know, then you're maybe a part, of, you're a part of the problem because you want your community to look a certain way and you've got to shape that yourself. Wow, that's powerful stuff. Um, Tanisha, let me ask you a question. How has being part of this recovery system, and I know that we've received services in other systems before, and how as being part of the development of a different type of delivery, how has that changed the way you see services and the provision of services? So for me, as being a person who, like you said, receives services elsewhere, then I use my own lived experience through those things for what I felt like worked before, what I felt like didn't work before, um, and trying to meet people where they're at, making sure that you know I'm the I'm giving the type of support that I needed when I was out there, right? And and just knowing that it's more so a, a individual thing. Every, you know, it's not cookie cutter. It's not across the you know everything is not the same across the board. Each individual person has their own needs, and a lot of times, you know. I wanted people to understand that about me. Just because recovery or treatment worked like this for you, it's not gonna work like that for me. You know, I have to, I have my own individual needs. So um, just, just trying to create an environment like that in grit and grace 
um, so that everybody's needs are met. Well, that's, 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 that's absolutely the truth. Uh, Lindsay, let me ask you a question. How, and I know you've received services in other places, how is this different? How does this change the way that you see the delivery of services? And how does this change the way you believe that services should be delivered? Well, it's, there's absolute difference. And like you always say, systems serve systems. Here at Grit and Grace, we serve people, um, peer support. Actually having the people's voice matter, what's right with them is so important. And I think that's something that, that we definitely do here at Grit and Grace and other systems kind of already have their set their set stuff and what they do and this is what you got to meet this is the this is our expectation and like Tanisha said meeting people where they're at giving the people a voice creating services for the people by the people you know and here at Grit and Grace everyone has a voice and everyone's yes. voice matters yeah so Leroy I want to ask you a question because, you know, Tanisha and Lindsay said something that for me and you is definitely interesting. They said meet people where they are. So one of the places we meet people is in jail. <laughs> and, and this is the thing uh, that, that's so incredible about this opportunity that you and I have. I remember when I went in jail to talk to people about services and they were absolutely clueless about the matrix of services. Today when I go in services, people are trying to get into the services that we're providing. They know who we are and they're like, hey man, check this out. Can you give me an appointment with Leroy, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, Oh, who's Leroy? You know, the dude with the ponytail. You know what I'm saying? They're like, you know, the Jamaican dude, man. Right? So it's like, and, and when I go in there, Mr. Bill, Mr. Bill. Right? That lets me know that this is something that's real, something that's needed, something that's working. Also, what lets me know is since we've started this here, people from the jail are ending up here. Now, some people can act like they don't see that. I keep, there's an overwhelming preponderance of evidence in our recovery rooms that that's happening. So let me ask you a question, Leroy. How does that impact you? Yes, how does that impact you, man? What, is, what comes that to is, mind? That is simply, it shows me that recovery is possible and that the word or the message is getting out there and people are being receptive to that and they're coming to find it. You know, word, of, word of mouth is powerful. And, and you know, what amazes me is that, you know, people always want to put people down there or, or want to kind of judge the process and say they don't really want it. I think people really do want, who doesn't want a nice house, their kids to right. be safe and dress well and, uh, you know, live a life of whole health and wellness. Now, knowing how to actualize that is a whole different thing. Yeah. Knowing how to get from Scuzzy Sleezo's Motor Lodge to the White House is a whole different thing, right? right? So I think that us going inside that jail, I want to ask you a question, Leroy. What goes through you when you walk inside that jail and all those people come to you or you're doing the interviews? What, what kind of, how does, what does that do? 
Mm, I, I think, because when I go inside a jail and I'm sitting with someone, the first thing I ask is, how are you doing? And oftentimes they'll say, well, I, I'm doing good. So I start to then think, when, what is good about being inside the jail? You know, so it's just me trying to understand, you know, how they sustain or maintain their mental health while being in, in, in that situation there and, and understand, you know, how can that be used on the outside as a strength rather than seeing it as a deficit. Because when we speak about meeting people where they are, it's about, it's, it's a non-judgmental thing and seeing that what we consider deficit as a strength. So that's what really goes through my mind. How can you know I get this person to, to see their strength? Yeah. So, well, Tanisha, let me ask you a question. I know that you and I be a lot and probably more than you would prefer. And um, I, I want to ask you, how does it impact you when you see that overwhelming preponderance of people who once were locked up, who are now coming in our rooms and, and not just mandated, not just, but actually coming in. How does that impact you? I don't know if I have the right words to say on how it impacts me. One thing that it lets me know is that change is happening. You know, I'm seeing change happen right before my eyes, you know, I know that before, for me, and we've had this conversation before, is that when we got out of jail, the last place that we were looking to go was to find recovery, <laughs> right? <laughs> My first stop wasn't, you know, to call anybody who was going to help me change for the positive, it, you know? Yeah, so, I'm calling buddy. Right, yeah. Yo, exactly. Yeah. So when I see people show up, here walking through these doors and they show up for the meetings over and over again knowing or even calling before like hey I'm getting ready to get out you know can y'all yes. can y'all come get me yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying not even trying to make a stop before they get here that shows me that you know change is happening yes and recovery is possible you know even even more so than you know I, I didn't know about recovery before so it just it relieves me that people are receiving it and that we're we're spreading the message so our work is working right right it is our extreme pleasure to have such strong community partners such as viewpoint health to join us in our journey to recovering individuals as well as systems and procedures viewpoint health offers an array of services and resources for individuals with mental health challenges, substance use challenges, as well as intellectual and developmental disabilities. To connect with them, please visit their website at www.myviewpointhealth.org or you can call 678-209-2411. I don't want to be, they're like, okay, let me get this quick, right? Uh, because they have identified us with access to resources and access. They, You know what I'm saying? This, this door to recovery is here. Let me swing it open. Um, how does that impact you, Lindsay, seeing the people in, that used to be in jail with us, and now they're ended up in this room? 
it touches my soul. It does something for me, man. I was there. I was once them. And like Tanisha said, uh, change is happening. There's people out there that want change. And this is an evidence-based program. And, and, and we are the evidence. And you going in there, and Tanisha going in the jail, and you were, uh, these people are hungry for something. And sometimes all they need is to be presented with the opportunity and know that it's possible and know that they can change. And, and, and so it's the most beautiful thing when I see people come in here from jail and, and, and are hungry for it, hungry for change, and they know it's here. So like Tanisha said, it's working. Yes. And, and this is the evidence, and it's beautiful. It touches my soul. Yeah, and you know, the untraditional provision of services and delivery to me is, is a trip because some people would tell us that we're not doing it right, right? Some people, you know, I hear people say, I'm studying to become a social worker, or I want to become a drug counselor, or I want to become a clinician, right? So I don't think they can picture, when they say clinician, I don't think they see you, and they don't see you in jail or driving people. Right, to, right. You, you understand what I'm saying? So that, that non-traditional deliverable is working. You know what I mean? And, and so, Leroy, let me ask you a question. Because I remember a couple of years ago, me and you were standing on the hill, and you said to me, you know, I'm ready to do something a little different. And so, what is the difference between Leroy that day and the Leroy who's sitting in front of me today? Mm, externally, I'm more immersed. In, in in what I'm doing now, you know, back then it was more on the periphery of, of things, you know, learning uh, the how things work in the recovery community and meeting people who are major players in, in the community. Internally, it it what do you call that? It it invigorates me, mm -hmm. you know. It gives me motivation to move forward. Um, because of the changes that I see occurring in people. And you know, sometimes when people relapse, not necessarily relapse on taking um, any substance, but just get into a place of uh, decompensation, you know, and then to see them come back in the fold, yeah. it's, you know, that, that inspires me and it, it tells me that whatever it is I'm doing for people, you know, or with people on their journey. It's really encouraging to them. Wow, that, that's really powerful. So Tanisha, and I remember having a conversation with you a couple years ago, and I, <laughs> we were actually in a meeting, and I, I don't remember exactly how you ended up in that meeting, but we're in that meeting, and I had actually anticipated that me and one of our co-workers were getting ready to go to work on the project. However, the judge happened to be in that meeting and the judge said, so Tanisha, you and Bill take the point on this and blah, blah, blah. And do you remember that meeting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was a couple years ago. And now you and I are sitting in this room. So what is the difference in Tanisha, that Tanisha and the Tanisha that's sitting here right now? I think that Tanisha was definitely still trying to find her way. She was very new in recovery. And so 
now I think I believe in myself a lot more than I did then and um, I have been given more opportunities then I was like I said I was still trying to find my way in my recovery and now that you know I've kind of found my footing I'm I'm just trying to allow my that overflow to flow on to other people in recovery you know so that I can and help support everybody else around me. Wow. Um, being able to use my gifts, the fact that back then it was people believing in me, and now it's really me believing in a lot of other people. Right, right, right. And, and you know, I, I, it, the power of belief is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And, and this vision, once you've seen through this lens of recovery, and, and I'm not talking about subservient recovery or treatment or blah 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 i'm talking about the type of recovery that gives you autonomy and and really you're heard respected and connected and and people we're beyond the forming storming and norming phase we're into the performing phase and the journey phase and and, you know we the authority of believers and all that stuff applies um i uh i am so incredibly grateful I see, I see what we're doing and I see the impact of it. You, in, innumerable opportunities have presented themselves and the outcomes are off the hook. And, and to Leroy's point, understanding that recovery isn't linear and, and how each person is different like you were talking about, Tanisha, and how you can't count anyone in or count anyone out. It's a power greater than us that that decision lies upon, right? And with that being said, Lindsay, I think about a conversation that me and Tanisha was having with you about a couple of years ago. I believe we were sitting in, it wasn't Apple, was it Applebee's? Or it was one of the, you remember when we were sitting there? And, and that was a couple of years ago. And now, Lindsay, you're sitting right here with us. I don't even know if you remember that conversation. <laughs> But I know you were laughing and crying at the same time. At which point I said, this is concerning, right? And you have made tremendous strides. I saw you, uh, the bravery to which you possess, a lot of people can't fathom. It's almost this, and I don't want to make, I don't want to minimalize it, but one's ability to go through whatever and appear as though well, whatever, whatever I got to go through. Saw you go to the programs. I saw you walk it out, and I saw you volunteer. I saw you end up here. I saw that, and and we are so incredibly proud of that because a lot of people didn't believe in it. Mm-hmm. And one thing about it, oh, fearless over there. She was like, man, we, let's go get her. <laughs> and, and you know, we burned some bridges when we drove away from that spot with you. But you know. Lindsay, what is the difference between that Lindsay that day and Lindsay now? I think of being lost and now found. I was still very lost. And the one thing that I had back then was some people who believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And I slowly but surely sometimes grudgingly what you know was pulled to this place and everybody was just trying to bring me home 
They're, they're trying to bring me home. And now I've found home. I've found my people. I've found myself. And um, I, so I, I was very lost. And, and thank God today I'm found. I, I'm finding out who I am. Um, I'm, I'm getting these amazing opportunities. But the only reason that these opportunities are presented to me is because I'm where I'm supposed to be. No. So I was always the wrong place, and I'm, I'm at the right place today. So with that being said, and Leroy, I wanted to kind of talk to you because you're head of the Innovative New Program. Well, you know, and, and they, they think it's new, but actually it's been going on for a while. Putting some different things in place that give people a better opportunity to recover. And in our partnership in, is bigger than ink and paper, right? And I was thinking about one of the new things that Tanisha implemented as a program manager is transportation for people. Because people always say they don't really want it that bad, but they don't understand some of the barriers they don't understand that communication is a barrier. They don't understand the power of those one-on-one -on -one conversations we have with people when they're in the room that's bigger than telling people what to do that make people call and say, I want to come. Or, or having transportation to get someone there that gets them there as opposed to you telling them to show up and then just waiting for them to show up and they never show up and then you say they didn't want it bad enough. So let me ask you a question. How do you see, and I see you providing transportation all the time, how do you think transportation and, and the innovation that you guys are putting forth is changing both your vision of how the services work, how effective they are, and how people are responding? I think you find with transportation, there's more access to services, and people are more willing to participate because they think about, uh, I mean, to sustain things, you talk about fees for services. However, when they do not have to worry about those fees, then they're more willing to um, accept these, these, these um, services. And it, if there's no transportation, then when you look at, for example, ODR as a three-person team, then it stretches us, you know. So having community partners, that provide these services, you know, our um, participants can utilize these services too. So it it makes things a, a bit more available, available, yeah. accessible, yeah. easier. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. thank you for, for that, Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, transportation is really. Um, and and so Tanisha, I want to ask you because you and I sat down at the table, and I, I can't remember what was the catalyst for that. I know that because that's the difference between what we do and what a lot of other people do. A lot of other people talk about what needs to happen, and some people be about what needs to happen. So I remember we would sit down and we said, you know what, just start today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Tanisha, set it up. Okay, and today's the day we start. How have you seen that impact our services, the transportation concept? So the main thing that I have seen is that we have had, because when we started, we didn't have a building to bring people to. Yeah. We were all online, we were virtual in the middle of a pandemic, right? But then we had a building and we have people who have their own transportation, but then we still had that gap or that, that um, population of people who didn't have transportation to get here who would still 
utilize online virtual, uh, you know, access to groups, but they wanted to get here. And so I've seen it help in that in that way. Yes. So now we have people. What you have? You have transportation. Y'all, y'all, you know, send me an Uber or y'all have you know a van that'll be able to come pick us up. And oh well, well set me up for three days a week. Yes. You know, so that helps close that gap. We also have like like uh, Leroy was saying to be able to uh, support our partners with. They have uh, you know all of their participants and. There's three people on their team, but where where Grit and Grace can come in and help with that transportation to leave some of that that off of their plate helps as well, you know. Um, so, and I I just know for me, I didn't have a car, I didn't even have a driver's license, um, you know, when I was in the program. And so, when I have all of these different things, I have to be the probation this day, I have to go to testing. When we have people come here to support groups, you know, and they're like, oh, man, I got to go test afterwards. We can send them, you know, and get them to, to testing. So it just helps. Um, it helps relieve some, some stress off of people's plates, mm -hmm. and it helps um, them access their recovery and what they need to do. Yeah, absolutely. We are proud partners of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Rockdale Newton Chapter. NAMI Georgia is an organization of family, friends, and individuals whose lives have been affected by mental challenges. Together, we advocate for better lives for those individuals who have a mental challenge, and we offer support, education, and advocacy as we do so. Please visit the NAMI Georgia website at www.namigeorgia.org. And if you are local to the Rockdale Newton area, we would love to have you join the family. For more information, you can visit www.namirockdalenewton.com or follow their Facebook page at NAMI Rockdale Newton. Once again, everybody out there in Radio Land, I want to thank you guys for tuning in once again. This, we're sitting here with the providers, with a group of people that provide community support services in a very alive community. So I want to just kind of segue into another thing. Leroy, I know that one of the components to your program, and, and somebody was sitting here talking to me the other day, and they were saying that, because we're doing this new project to give CIT wristband, CIT being crisis intervention team, CIT being a training for law enforcement that help them understand how to better interact with people who are in mental health or substance use crisis. And um, you know, I was on the phone today with one of, with somebody from the sheriff's department, and we were talking about that. And so both the city police and the sheriff's department are arranging for us to come to their roll call and do the band thing. And so, and both of them were saying, well, you have to come twice because we got a shift that comes on this time and a shift that comes on that time. And, and I know that strengthening and shoring up that relationship that at one point was part of the news of how it didn't work and now us becoming part of the conduit to 
give them more support. I know that when I first went in jail, it, boy, I had a presidential escort going in and a presidential escort going out. Now, when I show up, it's like, <laughs> we're through. There you go. Come on. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, know that ODR has the component with the GCIC, the GBI component, and I've seen that work in real time <clears throat> yeah. as well. And so how do you think that those law enforcement relationships are improving? Because, you know, we do a lot of interaction. And I remember us initially having some conversations about how was that going to work. So how do you see the advantage to the relationship we're creating with law enforcement and how that's better serving our people? Yeah, again, it's access of being, being able to access um, the, the jails and, you know, any reform system. Going in there, you may have someone that walks you in, but then they take you to these different departments that are integral in there. You have the medical department, you know, this is a reform institution, but you have medical inside of there. You have the chaplain, you know, you have um, sergeants and deputies who are in charge of release and stuff like that because these are the people that we have to deal with. So before when we didn't have no connection with these people, uh, um, it was just difficult for us. Yeah. You know, we were scratching our heads. We didn't know what to do, how to get these people out. But now it's, it's you know, it streamlines. Yes. Know? We know who to speak to, and then they've got the discharge planner, so, you know, that person makes a referral, and then we just see, you know, people outside of there too but it, it makes a lot a, a great difference yeah. for us you know what i mean as far as accessing um, inmates and and so tanisha i'm going to ask you the same question because i know you've delivered services to hundreds of people in jail and when you hear that it's like what you know what i mean and i'm talking about like just this month right and, and when i think about it and i look at the numbers and i look at the people that are showing up each time i look there are more people and, and I, I think about the way those guys react when I walk in, man. And, and I'm talking about people that one would think he's not. You know what I'm saying? I got people sitting in the room that they really want to do what we do right. on a whole different level. And they want to convert the way they get resources and the way they stay free as a result of interacting with us. So I want to ask you, you being a provider of services behind the wall, what is that like for you and what is that like for the people you serve? For me, it's a miracle. <laughs> you know, every, every day that I do a jail group, you know, I'm just grateful for that opportunity to be able to reconnect with somebody because like I said, I think everything that I do today is because the things that I didn't get before. So of course, I didn't have the opportunity to connect with anybody in recovery that showed me the way when I was behind the wall. So uh, grateful for that. But also the the women, you know, that I'm connecting with, just every every week is they're saying, you know, we look forward to Mondays at 1.30. Yes. You know, we're looking forward to this. This, this is the best meeting that we, we have. We get the most out of these meetings. We actually know that we can apply it and we see hope and want to want to be exactly what you are. Yes. And I, me being able to inform them that 
this, you know, this is the process. This is how you go about these things, giving them those resources so that they know, you know, this is not just talk. We're showing you the rope and showing you how to go about it. Um, there was something that I wanted to mention that when you were talking about um, the change that I have seen when it comes to our, our partnerships with the police departments and the sheriffs and all of that. Um, one thing I want to acknowledge is that the relationships that we have with the co-responders here mm. and the fact that now um, having those co-responders that are out in the field um, that whether they hear something, they hear about a process that grit and grace can fit into that formula and they know that, you know, oh, they're being discharged from the, the emergency room or they're being this, they know that, you know what, this would be a warm handoff situation for grit and grace. That has benefited us and, and our community, our recovery community, um, as well as them calling and say, hey, I'm pulling up. Are y'all there? Because we got somebody who needs to meet you all. We, not, we have somebody who needs your services, your support. And I mean, that in itself, I mean, that's, that's tremendous yes. um, movement and, and progress that we have made just with building those relationships. Yeah, yeah. wow. Well, I, I want to I add quickly too, I, I think um, jail officials, they're, they're listening now. You know, before they weren't listening, and I think one of the things that causes that is they have people they consider frequent flyers, mm -hmm. and when these free, and that's because they're frequent flyers because they do not have any support when they're out. Mm -hmm. But once they get connected to support or services, then they realize that okay, we are not seeing these people anymore, and then they realize that okay, they're in some program. They're with Grit and Grace. They're with ODR. They're with mm -hmm. the Resource Court, Drug Court, wherever. So now everyone's kind of listening and kind of watching what's going on or what we are doing as you know um, community. You're, so you're absolutely community. right. And, and you know, I know a lot of people, they can't see all the hats we wear. I remember coming here as the project developer for the Stepping Up Initiative. And I remember those first meetings when the commissioner and I went in and sat down and met with their team. And we're sitting there at the table and all the uniforms are there, you know? And, and I remember when we said, listen, we would like to introduce some recovery-based curriculum and services and blah, 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 and you know, peer support. And I remember them saying, well, we already got that. I remember them saying, that kind of represents a liability for us. And, and I think about that, and then I think about what happened to me this morning as I was speaking with Sergeant inside there, because he sent me an email they're having their the, um, site visit from the people from Washington and all that that are coming here next week to do the walkthroughs. And they, he was like, Bill, so we want to make sure that you're here. Right? And I told him, I said, man, what time is it? He said, well, it's on Tuesday. I'm like, oh, dude, man, I'm doing the other jail on Tuesdays. He said, well, what time? You know, I said, well, I get through at 2.30. He said, well, can you be here at 3? Because we think it's imperative that you're there. And then I had another call that was somebody who said to me, hey, so uh, what day are you available for the site visit? And I'm like, well, we're already scheduled for this and we got the schedule for that. And they said, well, the judge wants Tanisha to be here for the blah, 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 because we need to have, yeah. And, and right, and then I told you that. Yeah, but anyway, we can't even schedule it all, man. The very people that once were perceived as liabilities today are necessities 
to delivery of recovery-based services, and they want people to see it, hear it, feel it, experience it. You know, I, I remember coming here about three years ago and sitting down in a room and they said, oh, we want to introduce Tanisha. She's an artist. Well, I haven't heard anybody call you an artist in quite some time. You understand what I'm saying? And, and it's now she's a creative marketing consultant. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, and it's not people's fault if their belief system can't see you big enough to see you victorious. It's our fault if we don't make ourselves visible so that they can see us after victorious. It's our fault if we don't empower other people so that they can become us, if you understand what I mean. You, you understand that? And I don't mean become us, but I mean become us because that way we can become whoever we need to become so that, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And kind of uh, create sustainability, as Leroy would say. We would like to thank our leader, Commissioner Dr. Doreen Williams, the Rockdale County Sheriff's Office, along with other numerous partners and stakeholders that are taking the initiative to create change for the Rockdale County recovery community. We know that it takes all parts of the community to carry out this vision and together we are stronger. So I want to ask you guys another question. When you look over there and you see Mrs. X, Lindsay, what happens for you when you see Mrs. X? When I saw Mrs. X come in yesterday, I mean, my heart dropped. Um, I, I was extremely happy to see her. You know, I see myself a couple years ago. I see me. And what I see is the thing that's beautiful and that stuck with me and that I told Matthew today too was y'all keep showing up. You guys keep coming back. There's something inside you that wants this thing. And, and for me, it took a minute of going in and out and back and forth. But it all clicked. I finally got it. And I just pray to God that she stays long enough to get it because she deserves it and she's worth it. And, and, and I know she can do it. And so, Leroy, I know you have a long, interesting relationship with Mrs. X. <laughs> and so for all you people out there in Radio Land, we just had a, a surprise guest come into the studio. And she was shall remain nameless to protect her anonymity. However, Mrs. X is someone that all of us have had contact with. It's an incredible person who has taken this recovery journey with us. So we as providers, all of us have touched her, put our hands on her. <laughs> I wanted to put our hands on her. I mean, however that works. Leroy, when you see Mrs. X, what comes to mind? What, what is it? What is your predominant thought? So I've had this discussion before with, you know, with, with Tanisha, but as a clinician, I look at things differently. I look at it from a clinical point of view. So I see letters or I see words. So I see PCPAM mm -hmm. uh, and R, but from a clinical standpoint, the R is there just to understand what's going on, what that is, 
as pre-contemplation, contemplation, uh, preparation, action, maintenance, and then relapse, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I have to see the relapse because mm-hmm. it tells me where someone's at, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that, then just seeing her back here mm-hmm. just um, reiterates that recovery is possible. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it's not no linear. What you go, you're right, right, it's not linear. And, and that's one of the advantages to being a recovery-based provider. We've been around, around the track a few times. We understand that God has a plan and yeah. that the best hope we got is to just match up with it, kind of fan people over there, hope they get it, you know what I'm saying? Do our best to represent it, do our best to put the pieces in front of them so they can see it, yay, this recovery. And, and then if they drive by it and they come back around, they have smiles on our faces and blah, blah, blah. I, I remember when I used to encounter systems and they used to look at me and say, oh no. So what are you doing back here? <laughs> Who let him in here? You know, you didn't get it last year. They were beating me up and just doing all kinds of different things. It was a whole different kind of conversation. And it made me not want to come back. It made me hate that, you know. And so I wasn't going back there to get that. You know what I mean? Tadisha, for you, when you see Mrs. X, what happens inside you? When I see Mrs. X, every time I see her... What happens inside of me is I smile on the inside because it feels good to see somebody come back. But also when I see Miss X, I see my why. Mm-hmm. You know, I see my purpose. I see that, you know, I know that Mrs. X is just like each and every one of us. It's progress, not perfection. Yeah. You know, also my accountability and every every person that walks through this door and especially in another female another mother I see accountability because I know that when I'm here if someone is looking towards me to try to figure out how I'm doing what I'm doing then I know that that's my accountability that you know this is why I do what I do this is you know my why yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm also. I'm encouraging her, but also it encourages me to continue doing what I'm doing. Wow. And, and so for me, when I see Mrs. X, it reinforces several different things for me. Obviously, the nonlinear part. Obviously, the empathy part. Obviously, the humanity part. Obviously, the ethics part. All of those things. I think what it does that's bigger. And this is what my advice to anybody who provides services for people. We have to give our best and beyond so that the person, while we have them, they know that we love them. They know that we are giving them our best, even if it's hard. They know that this is king and queen stuff. And they know that when that light comes on, when that time is, when, when it clicks, they're coming for us. Because they're not coming for mediocre. They're not coming for the people that beat them. They're not coming for the people that abandoned them. They're coming for the people that looked them in the eye and said, man, come on, man. Come on, man. We got this thing for you. And they, they will know if we gave them our best. They will say, you know what? They did give me their best. 
and beyond. And that way, when they leave, they'll take that suitcase with them this time. But, but what I'm saying is, they'll know. And, and, and this is the thing for me. Today, I have to look back at it. And I think about Father Steve. And I think about when I was sitting where you're sitting, everybody was done with me. I had burned them. I had beat them. I had incinerated the earth. And the only person was left was one pastor named Father Steve. And if it wasn't for that relationship he had with God, he wouldn't have made it. And he was unraveling at that moment. Mm -hmm. He was telling me, dude, I'm done. I can't continue. I think about that when I was standing in front of audiences of people and speaking about recovery. And I looked down and I saw him sitting in the audience. He was sitting in the front row and he had tears streaming down his face. And, and when, when I got through, he was like, he was the happiest person there. People were looking like, what's up with him? He was like, yeah. And, and I remember one time, and I can't remember where I was, but I just got through speaking. I think it was in some church somewhere. And I just got through speaking and he came up to me and he hugged me and he had tears streaming down his face. And he said to me, I am just so glad that you didn't die before this moment. And, and I thought about that when I spoke at his funeral and, and his family, who I remember the first time they saw me, they were like, they told him, no, you ain't bringing him in here. And he said, yeah, he's going to have dinner with us. And every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, he brought me into his home. And I, I know they probably put the good silverware out when they got ready to have his funeral and they had two pastors and me speak at his funeral. And, and as I stood there and I thought about there's the only person that could believe at me when I was at the end of my rope. And it's only because of his faith in God that allowed him to be able to hang on to that rope that was burning. And so I know that we have to hang on to the ropes even if they're burning. We have to hang on to our belief systems, even when we're beaten, when we're tired, when we're confused, when, when we, we don't have our stuff sizzled, when they come back again and again and again. Um, I know that, that what, that's what has to happen. I know that not only will that happen for you, but I know it happened for you. And I'll never forget the day that Tanisha and Stephen would sit in my front room and they came and when I saw them come, I'm like, these jokers up too. He said, we need to talk to you. It's very important. And that's why when I see Miss Carmichael and she said, I need to talk to you. It's very important. I say, no, no, no. He's, he's already left. And, and they said to me, listen, Bill, I don't know what we're going to do, but we have to do something because this is what we see. And both of them sat down and they told me about the conditional car and only about a whole bunch of other stuff and they they laid it out and then they said so what are we going to do <laughs> I said okay let's go get her you know what I'm saying they went and got her they, the person. <laughs> they did it hard right 
and, and there was a lot of flack, a lot of pushback. It tilted the axis of the world. We were hated. They were throwing rocks. <laughs> oh, they got her. They got the package. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but you're sitting here with us today. Yeah, thank God. And that's what it's all about. It's about defying the odds. It's about standing up for what we believe. It's about Mrs. X. So in closing, before we close this thing out, Mrs. X, when you hear all of those things, what is it that comes to mind? That I believe you and everyone in this room when they say that they love me. Because I have been abandoned, I have been beat, I have been betrayed by people who say they love me. But I know when I walk in this room, I'm met by people who have nothing but good intentions for me. I don't have to be afraid that there's some underlying thing that's going to jump out and get me later. I know their hearts, where their hearts are, and I know they're always with me even when I don't deserve it. I think about how I just got off the phone with somebody who wants recovery but doesn't know, doesn't have the same support. And I can say to them, I know I couldn't do it myself. I had to have the support that I have just got off the phone with him. You can't do this alone. If it wasn't for my support system, I'd be in the same place you are. Wow. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen out there in Radio Land. You heard it firsthand. You heard it here. You know, and we just want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for continuing to come, continuing to tune in, continuing to listen, continuing to send us our, your suggestions and your support. And with that being said, Tanisha, will you tell everybody out there how they can get this message? As I say every week, I encourage everyone to create positive connections. I mean, that's what kept me here. So we would like to be that positive connection for you all. We would like for you all to connect with us by going to rockdalestepingup.com. If you go to the bottom of that web page, there's a little Stay Connected tab. And when you click on that tab, it'll take to a library of our newsletters. And then once you get to those newsletters, you will get a message from Commissioner Dr. Doreen Williams. That's called our Commissioner's Corner. You'll also get um, video that we highlight a person in recovery telling their recovery story and being a sense of hope um, for, for others in recovery. We also select a champion of change, and that's somebody in our community is usually a partner or someone who is creating positive change in the world around us. We also have several different recovery resources and announcements throughout the newsletter, so keep you abreast of everything that's going on. Also in there, and we, we always encourage you to follow Grit and Grace on all of uh, their social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And now, coming to you from TikTok. Uh, <laughs> with, wow. the, with the star, Lindsay Bug. Uh, oh, so, so influencer. <laughs> also, if you want to keep hearing the messages just like you've heard today, please tune in to Category T and ENT on the His Hop Network every Wednesday at 12 p.m. and Thursdays at 1 p.m. If you are not able to listen to or tune in at those times, we also have a podcast that is available for you at your convenience, and we are listed on several different platforms. We're on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes, so y'all keep coming back. 
And with that being said, once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is Recovery Hour, and thanks for your support. And we're going to see you when you see you and cherish the chips you hold. Thank you for tuning in and feeding your recovery with another episode of the Recovery Hour. Remember that you can stay connected with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Grit and Grace RCO or just keep coming back every Wednesday at 12 noon. Until then, and as always, cherish the chips you hold.